Welcome to Pragmatic Live, a podcast created to help you succeed, especially if you create or market or price innovative products. I'm Mark Stiving, a pragmatic marketing instructor and pricing expert. Today, I'm joined by one of my favorite people, freshly back from a trip to Europe. Let's all welcome Pragmatic Marketing's own VP of Marketing, Miss Rebecca Caligeris. Yay! Oh, wow. That's a good intro, Mark. I'm just going to have you every time I enter a room. I want you to be there and be like, yay! yay. Yes. It's great to be here, Mark. I always enjoy talking with you. Thanks. Well, how was Europe? Did you do any Nahito visits while you were over there? Um, you know, I didn't do separate Nahito visits, but I was at the Business of Software conference for two and a half days. And it's a, it's a great conference. They do one in Boston as well. Um, but it really afforded an opportunity to do Nahito throughout, right? Every lunch session sort of had a bird of the fe- birds of the feather sort of table where you picked a topic and people helped each other with that topic and could hear about their problems. Uh, there was a lot of... Um, social engagement at lunch and dinner. So I did, you know, hundreds of mini Nahito visits and really it was great. Excellent job. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. And so are we changing the direction of the company because you did that? Totally different. New company name. We're going to be Acme training uh, starting, <laughs> <laughs> starting next week. <laughs> no, but it's really good to get the insights um, at this particular event. These were a lot of smaller sort of more, startup companies in some really interesting spaces. So that was great. Um, and just such a collaborative environment uh, that they've built with that conference. So that's good. Excellent. Excellent. Well, today we're going to do our third episode of eating our own dog food. Oh, yes. I have to say so far, you've been amazingly open, extremely informative on all the things that we at Pragmatic Marketing do to implement our own framework. So are we ready to keep this thing going? 100% yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's okay. Do it. Got me all pumped up with that intro. Mm. If people have listened to our first couple of episodes, they'll know that we've spent most of our time on the left-hand side of the framework. And and believe it or not, we're almost done with the left-hand side mm. of the framework. Mm. Working through it. Yeah. So let's touch on uh, just two more boxes and then we'll move to the, as you like to put it, the more interesting side. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're all important. No. Right. As a VP of marketing, it's okay that you could say the right-hand side's more interesting. There's just certain boxes on both sides, you know, that I like. A lot. Yes. But I'm ready. Yes. What are we going to start with? Well, we're going to talk, we're going to combine two different boxes. We're going to talk about business plans, product roadmaps. Um, I understand that pragmatic marketing, we're actually starting to create or thinking about creating some new products for the company. And so what I want to touch on with you is what's the process that we've gone through. And just so that all the listeners know, we rarely release new products, at least historically, we don't release new products very often. And so this isn't something that we've ingrained in our system. This has got to be something we've added recently. Yeah. So the last product that we added, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, Mark, but it was the price course. <laughs> we I heard it was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. But uh, so that was the last one released and that was in 2014. Um, you know, we continually update our products, right? So there's a roadmap into to maintaining and updating and, and keeping it current and adding different interactivity and, and adult learning stuff. Like there's a roadmap to do that. Um, but there's also a lot of interest as we grow and expand in offering additional courses, right? What other needs does our audience have um, in which we could help them by providing training in different topics? Uh, and additionally, what other topics could we do to bring in a new set of audience, right? So how do we take some of those adjacent pieces and go through? So finding the right courses for that is something we take very seriously. I mean, we have six courses. We 
one of the reasons in the past it may not have been the fastest runaround is or turnaround on these is that we're we are um, super focused on quality, right? Any of the courses that you go to today, you can expect a certain level of quality and a certain level of expertise. And so, you know, you don't want to just have a whole bunch come and go that maybe don't represent that same level. But last year, we promoted uh, one of the instructors to VP of product, Paul Young. Uh, and so he's really worked to put some structure around this and to make this a process that we can move faster and that is more repeatable. So we very much practice what we teach, right? Uh, we start with the business proposals. Those go into the business plans. We're still very much doing that two-step um, kind of approval process, both from a checking in along the way to make sure we're heading in the right direction and to release resources, both dollars. And I think as a, a company of our size, the, the almost bigger resource is people, right? A limited number of people and their focus can only be in so many places at once. So. Yeah, and, and we're a little unique in that we don't have a development team, right? Most of the most of our customers have engineers or software developers, and that's the resource they're trying to allocate. Mm -hmm. But what we have to do is find resources amongst instructors or other people within the company to say, how are we going to go create this thing? Ah, we could. We definitely could, and we've done that. Or we could do what we did with, again, this so-so price course that we got. Uh, <laughs> right? Uh, and, we, and that was actually you developed that course. Right. You developed the course, uh, brought it to us. We worked together to sort of pragmatize it and bring it out to the market. But that would be another way of us developing products. Right. So it's either within the existing base or finding the right partners. And, and it's a unique combination of skills for that partner. There's certainly a subject matter expertise and and a level of quality that's required. But there are numerous ways we could do it. And and honestly, um, the reason there haven't been a, a necessarily a lot of courses over the last couple of years is is certainly not a lack of interest from our audience or a lack of interest from providers um, in, in creating courses for us. It's been managing that piece. And then without sort of Paul in the process and someone there to set the filters so that we could compare them intelligently uh, and not just new products, but all the sort of efforts that take those precious resources, we need to be able to compare those and contrast those um, and before that, it was really hard to commit to anything because it was just like a fear. I'm going to commit to this, but then, you know, maybe it's a new country wouldn't come through because we didn't have the resources. So we really needed to have that, those filters and structures in place. Um, and that's a lot of what, what Paul has been doing over the last year. Nice. Are, are, are you comfortable sharing with us any of the filters that we're using in terms of the, the business proposal piece? Absolutely. I mean, I think... Um, you know, so we talk about some examples in our courses and we know they're not the same for everybody, but the, um, I wouldn't say that they're, you know, super unique across companies either. So obviously we start with the urgent, pervasive and willing to pay. Um, willing to pay is something that we've certainly expanded our understanding of, but it's something, as you know, you have to determine first, right? As that's going to decide if you should even be in the business. Um, and then in terms of the other filters, more opportunity specific, uh, competitive landscape, uh, depth of investment, impact to customer, and strategic fit are really the big four um, that we use to filter and compare and contrast. And again, we we um, compare and contrast a lot of opportunities that may or may not feel like specific products, but still need to be compared and contrasted because of the, the type of resources they would do. So that might be a new course. It might be a new geography. Um, it could be a new delivery type. Um, it could be uh, a, a new user conference. All of those things may not traditionally feel like a product, but weighing and, and comparing those is an important part of what we have to do as an exec team. 
Yeah, I think for us, they really are products, right? If you go to a new country, that has to be a new product. Right. Because there's so much work involved in making that happen. Yep. Yep. And it's really expanding what you think about like that so that we can compare them. Everybody wants to do everything, right? There's there's not anyone here who doesn't want to say yes to all of these. And and sometimes, uh, you know, as all the famous quotes go, the, the smartest thing you can do is say no. And that can be hard. And this gives us some structure to do that. I was actually a little surprised that when I asked what filters we're using, we essentially are using the ones that we teach. And the only reason that surprises me, obviously the ones we teach are really good. <laughs> really a surprise, huh? <laughs> but, but it actually surprises me in that I always make a really strong point to my classes that you can twist, you can tweak these, get rid of the ones you don't that don't fit for you and add things that do fit for you. And I just thought because we were such a unique company, a training company, not a software company, not a hardware company, that maybe there would have been different filters. So I was just shocked at that. No, and I think that's fair. I mean, I think we have another one that we've kind of played around with, which is uh, reinforces future distinctive competencies. That's sort of like we know what we want to be when we grow up. Does this help us get there? I think one of the reasons they're probably uh, similar to what we teach or the exact same uh, is that it's our first time. Right. So we could have made a bunch of other filters, but to some extent you needed to use something and see if it was relevant and made sense. Um, so it's sort of like we, we talk a lot of, on all of our podcasts. At some point, you, you just have to start. Right. So right. we could debate this forever or we could try these and use them for a while and see if it works. And if it doesn't, we can as a group decide that we need to change those. And, and one of the things about the ones we teach is that everybody in the company knows them. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Right. Yeah. So It's a good level playing field in the conversations with the full exec team. So, yeah. Okay. Let's, let's consider ourselves finished with the left-hand side of the framework. Wow. Wow. I feel like I'm, <laughs> we're never finished with that. Right. I mean, we're always going to go to market problems and win loss, but yes, for our conversation, let's walk through some boxes on the right. For our conversation. So let's go to the ones on the right for a second. You know, I've got, I've got a list of boxes. I'm trying to decide which one looks most interesting, most effective, but let's talk about thought leadership. Mm. I think that one's so much fun. And that's a really interesting topic. Um, I So we're going to get into my opinion zone. And then you as a teacher of market launch can correct me all you'd like. But uh, in my uh, – so I think there is both thought leaders and there's thought leadership, right? So thought leadership is providing um, – could be content. It could be research. It's It's – something that people leverage in order to help them do their job, to learn pieces like that, right? There's thought leaders, which um, are people who's, uh, who's kind of constantly on the edge of, of the thinking of an area, right? Right. They're like, they're not necessarily, here's how everybody could do this. Here's some help. It's like, here's a new crazy idea. It'd be as if I could be a thought leader. I could sell this pitch to a, a conference. No problem. Product management is dead. Then I just spew, you know, sort of edgy stuff to make people think and go through. And and I say that and it sounds dismissive and I don't mean it. But I think that there is thought leadership that is a a group um, thought leadership as designed to help people perform tasks that they can rely on so that they can kind of keep their thinking fresh. And then there's thought leaders who really are focused on sort of where the whole industry is going to be next and where, where it's going to be maybe in two or three steps. That's actually quite, it's an interesting way to say it. So thought leadership, you would think of as, I would think of as the way you described it as core content, right? Maybe refreshing it, maybe keeping it current, 
but it's not the the edge. It's not pushing the limits. It's not the disruptive innovations. Yep. And then thought leaders are people who are trying to find the limits. So, okay. No, that Let's- was a much better summary. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a concept I've been thinking about a lot lately. And so I, I kind of have this feeling, but that, that was a much better way of summarizing it. So I'll steal that next time. Perfect. Feel free. Thank you. Okay. So what do we do? So I would say historically in this area, we do a lot of thought leadership, right? And maybe understanding the core. It's also how you apply the core. Um, it's talking to other practitioners and helping them and uh, to use that to show people how they can apply the core I think we're very strong in that area, right? I mean, we have this amazing weekly podcast. No, we have the podcast, we have webinars, we have uh, blogs, we have articles in our magazines and our newsletters. We publish out your great example of this, of, of getting, uh, you know, you and I work together and you get a lot of magazines published out. You get asked to be on other people's podcasts. You have a book, uh, a lot of good things like that. I think we do that very well. I don't think historically we have been thought leaders in the edging sense. I think, um, and I wasn't in, in the field at the time, uh, but when we were where we were founded 24 years ago, I think how we defined product management was the leading edge. I think what we've done is built that definition in. Uh, and you see it a lot in place, not everywhere, but right, that understanding is more global. So um, I don't know that we, we are edge finders today. I think there's some conversations and some potential to see whether it makes sense for us to be that way. Um, and I, I, I'm not sure. I feel like I should have a better answer than that. But uh, I, I think there's some advantage. There's always a good thing to be seen as a thought leader, to be motivating technologies, always moving, and you don't want to be behind. But being at the leading edge, you don't do a lot of training. The leading edge is where you're still figuring it out and thinking it through training and, and execution is a step back. Now, I don't want to be so far back that we're behind. That's an interesting thought because you're absolutely right. We don't tra- You don't train on the leading edge by any means. However, I get the feeling that most of the people who come to our classes, they need what we teach badly. Oh, yeah. And, and so we think that 24 years ago, our founder came up with this new thought on how to do product management and now it's no longer innovative or interesting. And yet most people don't know it or don't do it. Well, I, I did not Just, say it wasn't interesting. Oh, let the record show. <clears throat> uh, no, no, but, but you're right. You're right. Uh, I certainly, I don't, I don't think it's uninteresting. I don't think it's an innovative to the point that I you agree. There's still a bunch of people who aren't doing right. It is not stale. I am not at all saying that. Right. And it's net new for lots of people. Okay. So, so, I'm not exactly sure where this next question is going to go, but we have new systems, new thought leaders like Blue Ocean Strategy or Lean Startup mm-hmm. or – right, and, and we see these and we look at them and we say, oh, that's really a twist on what we're teaching. Mm-hmm. Right? It isn't something brand new, although you would consider them thought leaders. Yes, and that's exactly where I, I – this is exactly why I've been thinking about thought leaders versus thought leadership, Right. Uh, even, you know, Agile is, well, it's not new anymore, but when it was new, it felt new. But then when I took the course way before Agile was popular, you know, we, we taught just enough documentation. We talked the, we taught a lot of those, who are you solving a problem for? What is it? Context, let's move forward and go. So, um, you know, there's a lot of it that is, it's, it is to your point, seems like just a translation of what we already do. 
we want to make sure that for our audience, those translations are easy, right? That if they have a company that practices lean, um, then the translation from us to them is very simple. I don't want to chase these things either. It's, it's a very tough balance. And the other thing I'd say is that people's definitions of thought leaders are very different right? It, does it take someone super big, uh, Seth Godin, to be a thought leader? Or is it a thought leader in the space you want to be in? Or do you want to be considered thought leaders in, in the way that Gardner and Forrester are, which is, which is much more research-based? There's lots that we do in this space. And then I think there's some opportunity for us to really think about going forward, what kind of thought leaders we want to be. And I think we have more opportunity in this space to do that than we have in the past. Um, just opening it up and being like, you know, I've got 12 great instructors and they have lots of great skill sets, but they also have some distinct point of views. How can we get those out more? How do we balance that with the brand of the company itself? I mean, so I think there's lots of opportunity on the thought leader spot. And I think a really big first part of that is figuring out where it makes sense for us to be. Okay. So let's, let's ignore the really hard side and let's just talk about thought leadership for a little bit. So I never even, I didn't even have to open that, but I've been thinking about it a bunch lately. So I thought that was perhaps listeners will also weigh in on this for me because I, you know, it's a big, it's a big piece, but yes, yeah. not leadership. This is, um, so, and we've talked about this a little bit before when we talk marketing strategy here, since what we do is, is teach, right? We do training. You only going to buy training from people if you believe they know what they're talking about, right? So, um, in that way, that type of thought leadership piece is really important so that what I have is credibility. I have credibility with the audience. They can, they can share out pieces to get credibility with their, with their peers and show, look, this company is going to teach us something. We can all, they know what they're talking about. They've been there, done that. Look how well it relates. So that, in that way, showing that we are authorities in our space and we know what we're talking about is very, very important, which is one of the reasons we do do so much thought leadership. And then we really try to make the thought leadership consumable for people in all different formats, right? So uh, some people love podcasts. Thank you, people listening. Uh, and some people are not going to do podcasts because they can't control how fast it can be consumed and they want to do it faster. People do webinars. Some people like to read articles. Some people like short pieces, long pieces. So we really do try to hit as many of the different mediums as we can. Um, we can always do more. We're a small team on the marketing side. Uh, so we're always we're always feeling like, oh, gosh, if only we could also do X, Y or Z. But but we spend a lot of time in this area trying to deliver um, really quality content that people can use to to, you know, help their jobs, help their products. And I don't think it's this is unique just because we're a training company. Most companies, you know, if, if you are building a product, you want to be known as an expert in that area so that people are willing to come buy your product. So I think that's true. And I mean, certainly content marketing is is um, a huge, huge part of everyone's marketing plan. But I, and maybe it's a bias, right? But part of me thinks, while it's true for everyone, what I don't have is something else. I don't really have a, a there's not a feature conversation to have. There's not a demo to show you. There is a ton of ROI, but it is, um, it is sometimes softer than something that's automating an existing product, right? And so I, I don't have those other pieces to kind of fall back on that I might in some of the other industries. So what you're saying is you can't sell features, so you have to sell ideas, concepts, reputation, expertise. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's just a, okay. it's a bigger portion of the, of the sale process. So thought leadership for us is 
is possibly more important than it is for a company that can compare the features they have with their competitors' features. Yes, although I think it is important for everybody. I mean, I, I think it helps your brand and the recognition and it brings people into your funnel uh, in a very different way. And we need to teach them that they have the problem, right? They don't understand, but that's not something you do in the sales process, right? That's not something a salesperson goes in and goes, you don't think you have this problem, but let me show you. But it is something we can do in thought leadership and content marketing is uh, is end up showing, demonstrating that to them uh, through the stories, through watching other people fix the issue and those kind of things. So I think it can be powerful for bringing people in the funnel, no matter where you work. All right. You know, there's a whole bunch of other boxes up here that I know that you want to talk about for about 30 minutes. So so let's skip those. It's the pot <laughs> calling the kettle talkative, I see. There we go. <laughs> but let's, uh, we only have a few minutes okay. left. Let's do the entire support column all at once. So let me read the support boxes. Uh, so these are presentations, special calls, event support, channel support. So when I think of support, I'm thinking, I typically think of sales support. How are mm -hmm. we supporting our channel? How are we supporting our sales organization? And so how are you supporting our sales organization? That's a great question. So we do a lot of sales training, which is not in support, it's in readiness, but I'm moving that anyway. We have our personas and our buying process. We train on all the on the courses and the problems they solve. We have a SharePoint site and a Salesforce library where we put a lot of content up. We, we always, um, again, with the content, every time I post a piece of content, it's here's the personas it's for and here's the problem that they're having that this could address. Uh, we also actually just used a couple of our instructors to help in this area. Gosh, three of them, right? We have one that came in and do sort of a discovery call training thing that was really neat. Um, just the, the amount of experience that, that all the instructors have in the field and the insights they could bring to a lead really helped the sales guys start to think about, to take a lead and be able to kind of think, okay, here's the problems they're having. Here's where they're going to be focused and, and have better, deeper conversations. That was really great. And then we actually just put together a sales playbook for them too. So um, it's an area we've been putting a lot of focus in and it has my one, my least favorite name of a framework box in that particular column. Uh oh, can we ask which one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's support calls with the little quotation marks. <laughs> oh, special calls. Oh yeah. Special calls. Special, special calls. <laughs> I tend to think of special calls as calls where salespeople are trying to find content that they don't know off the top of their heads. And so who do they pull in? And usually it's somebody from the product team that knows more about the product, knows more about the process. Um, luckily here at Pragmatic, we do, we, we bring instructors in to do that. We do the, yeah, we have a couple of instructors who offer sales support just in this area. So I actually like the idea of special calls. It's the quotation marks that drive me nutty. Um, <laughs> but, but this is, you know, we expect our salespeople to know a lot about our products and what we do. I do not expect our salespeople to have been VPs of products and our, our, our instructors have been. So when someone's really needs to talk about philosophy or someone is getting their little pushback from their, their head of development, they want them both on the call and they really want to talk through what we teach and how to apply it and get some advice, those instructors are super valuable on those. And that's certainly, we have some instructors whose jobs are set up so that they can do some at-home support for those. Uh, and that's something that, that all I will also build in on as well. Um, and then Sometimes when the survey comes out, there's a, a 
handful of customers that always want to go through those in detail. And so that is my special call. Oh, fun. Yeah. The only other one on support that I find um, I'm really curious about for us is event support. Mm -hmm. I know that you as the marketing organization go out and do a lot of events. Do we ever take salespeople there? Is Are these sales events or are these exclusively marketing events? That's a good question. So I actually think of the events that we do as more in the thought leadership piece than they are in sort of lead generation scaling. If I was going to define what I expected them to be, they're more that. The goal of all of them, of course, is to eventually lead to leads. I'm in sure. marketing, right? But it's really more of a thought leadership piece, right? That we, we partner up with... Um, conferences that are well respected in the product areas we uh, often I work with the instructors to build presentations and then they deliver those as sort of keynotes we do a lot of those so it really is more thought leadership and then there's there's a promotional piece to that but not I we haven't in the past with our sales team uh, that has been a choice of the sales team uh, not me I would absolutely send them to these I probably would send them to all that we sponsor and speak at and more um, I think it's important for every, you know, we talked about this in the past. I might, I think it's important for my graphic designer to get out there and see the market. And I certainly think it would be good for our sales team. So that'll be good to see. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Mr. Rebecca, I think we're out of time. It always goes so fast when we have fun. It really does. But if there were, this is your question. If there were two things that you want to make sure our listeners go do based on what we just talked about, what would they be? Oh, that's so hard. It's so much harder. It is a hard <laughs> I asked that of everyone every time and I had no sympathy for them. Um, okay. What would I do? I would say that um, from the sort of business plan roadmap perspective, I would make sure you know your filters, right? Pick filters. You can pick the default filters that we teach. Give it a try. Start it. Use that to compare all of the, the items that you're doing. And that's true on a product side, but we actually do the same kind of thing on the marketing side. Um, we have too many opportunities in marketing and too few resources. So what's going to give us the most, um, what's going to be best for our brand, what's going to generate the most leads, what's going to be closest to revenue. Those are the kind of things that we have to weigh opportunities. So you should do that because I guarantee every single person listening here has too much to do. And then you should do thought leadership. <laughs> you should just do it and again just start get a, a microphone and a headset and a and a guest willing to talk to you and just start recording i thought that the first answer was absolutely brilliant i loved that so i, I everybody has too much to do there's yep. no doubt yep everybody does so to our listeners we hope you learned something today um, after all, our goal is to help you succeed, so we'd love to hear from you. What worked, what didn't, share your thoughts and ideas. Uh, please send your comments to experts at pragmaticmarketing.com. And don't forget to join us for the next episode of Pragmatic Live. Pragmatic Live.